What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast. Unfortunately, Cole could not be with me today because he had to go celebrate his anniversary or something that was apparently more important than being on the podcast, but that's okay. Um, I also want to give him a huge shout out, even though he's not here to hear it, um, because he did pass his Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist exam. Oh, congrats. Yes. So, taking Cole's place today is going to be Dr. Swathi back on the podcast. (laughs) Swathi, what's going on? I'm so great. How are you doing? Doing very well. How's uh, everything on the West Coast treating you? Can't complain. The sun's shining. It's like almost half the week is over. So It's true. It's all good. <laughs> I, uh, I'm very jealous. So my wife and I went out to Vegas maybe a month ago or so. And mm-hmm. that West Coast um, heat is like with no humidity. So it was it's like 100 incredible. 105 degrees out. And I'm like walking around in jeans. It was amazing. Oh yeah. Like, or even like having conferences in Vegas, you can wear a suit. Because, it's crazy. Like, you're not going to be like moist. Exactly. <laughs> like walking one block. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you've lived both. So you've lived in Charleston and there. So I, I mm-hmm. can, you get yeah. to actually compare the two. It's, <laughs> it's fan. Yeah. I was like, well, I told my wife, I was like, this weather is enough to make me want to move out here. And LA mm-hmm. weather I heard is even better. So it I'm is, very jealous. Once you get closer to the ocean, you don't get the 105. Like we don't get three digits. At least we haven't since I moved here. That's awesome. um, it's like in like the 70s or 80s and you get the breeze and it's really nice. <laughs> Very cool. So um, where are you at now? Because you've kind of you finished residency at this point, right? Because last time we yeah. talked to you, you were, you were like finishing up. So you're done with residency. So mm-hmm. what's uh, what kind of stuff you've been doing post-residency? So right now I'm doing some consulting until my full-time role starts. And so what the consulting is looking like is helping write online courses. So apart from the one I'm here talking about today, um, there's also another one that I'm working on that's looking more into psychedelic medicine. So I was asked to look at the PKPD when it comes to specific psychedelic medicines and look into what Hopkins has found, what MAPS has found, what all like the great, like incredible uh, research institutions. USONA is another one. So yeah, looking into what they found and then like extrapolating from that and writing that from like the pharmacist perspective. And I'm working with a PhD student. That's very cool. So is there, do you, is there like a lot of research going on in that realm right now? Like still currently? There is. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, besides like I've heard talk with like psilocybin and for like PTSD and several things like that, what else is mm-hmm. kind of like being looked at currently that you've been looking at? So MDMA is being looked at as well for um, a lot of mood disorders, as well as, let's see, MDMA, LSD mm-hmm. is also being looked at. Those are the ones that I know most about apart from psilocybin. Very and cool. the course that we're writing is focused on psilocybin and MDMA. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, that you're working on a, a course that's about to be released to the public. It's about to Yay. have its uh, grand opening or release, I guess. <laughs> um, what uh, Can you give us a little information about that? Which you've been working yeah, on? Yeah, so 
Yeah, so the course is, um, so I worked with an online platform called, Me called Medical Cannabis Mentor. And so they already have some really, really great courses that are for healthcare professionals. And they also have a, another course for bud tenders called Counter Intelligence. I think it's like the best name. Um, uh, yeah, so they have those already. Um, but they were looking to actually have one specifically for pharmacists. And so this course, once it's launched this month, will be the first ever standalone course that is all about the endocannabinoid system and cannabis therapeutics, especially for pharmacists who are not familiar with it at all. Um, and it was really great to work with the physicians. You have a pharmacist physician team working on these modules, trying to figure out what is the most important information to know. And, you know, I wish that I had a course like this when I was starting to learn about everything cannabis related, because there's so many facets from like the history, which is super important, the regulatory side, which is actually really fascinating. Um, and then even just like delving into the pathophysiology, looking at drug interactions. I mean, there's just so many things when it comes to it. And then, of course, there's something different between like reading it and applying it. So we have some case studies and um, some reference guides that come with the course as well. And then pharmacists that are interested in making the transition into cannabis. And it's actually interesting. I talked to you today because just in the last three days, I've talked to three pharmacists on the phone, like just reconnecting or connecting for the first time that like they were asking for advice how to get into the cannabis industry because they were either burned out or like they feel like where they are right now is like to the point that they couldn't learn any more from that um from that situation so they were like okay what else can i do to like keep work interesting to like continue to learn and a lot of them are looking to the cannabis space so the course specifically is called cannabis science and therapeutics for pharmacists very cool so and it's so it's a, mo a series of modules and the mm -hmm. person can kind of like walk through it like at their own pace. Yeah, so it's self-paced on their 15 modules total. Um, so there are a few that are like very pharmacy specific. We really delved into PKPD because what I really wanted to do was, as I told you, I talked to a few pharmacists this week, but even apart from that, like not even pharmacists wanting to get into it, just pharmacists really wanting to learn about it, especially from the community setting. I have gotten so many questions that I actually started like a Google Doc and just started compiling all the questions. And then I even made like tallies to see, OK, this question was asked like however many times. And based off of that, we tried to narrow down the information to only have the most important. And then also for the case studies, too. Um, I did only like CBD based case studies and based those off of questions that other practitioners have gotten from their patients, um, mainly in that community pharmacy setting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that it will be helpful to anyone across all the like range of pharmacists because community, of course, and then hospital, a bunch of people are asking questions, the hospital pharmacists. Um, and then in any sort of like specialty situation as well, any counseling, um, I feel like it's just something that's come up more and more. And I think also because I am on the West Coast, some people assume that it was just like a West Coast thing. But actually, a lot of the practitioners that have been reaching out to me are people I've met from conferences that I'm, you know, I'm reconnecting with from across the country or people I went to school with in South Carolina. So, I mean, it's just like everyone is getting these questions but they don't know where to turn. 
And then the question that scares me is talk to your doctor because most doctors don't know. Right. So like when people say that, that like completely scares me. So instead of that, like go talk to your pharmacist because they will have taken the course and they'll know like how to answer your question. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Um, and so you mentioned like the getting questions and like, it's important to kind of like be aware of this stuff. And you and I have talked a lot about this, like even offline and stuff, but you know why? It, Cause obviously it, where I'm sitting in the East coast, like in South Carolina specifically, right. It's super not legal, even from a medical standpoint, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, being the West coast, like you said, people think it's a West coast. Oh, well it must be just for them. Cause it's, it is legal. Um, the reality is, is a lot of, especially pharmacists working in AmCare settings, mm-hmm, a lot of my right. patients, even that I see for diabetes education, smoke marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. And for various reasons, whether it's recreational or it's to, for self-medicating, mm-hmm. it is what it is. So why is it important, like in your opinion, and from based on the questions you've gotten, why is it important that pharmacists, regardless of your feelings, because I'm you know, i not even trying to like push it or like get political yeah. about it or anything like that, but mm-hmm. um regardless of your feelings on it, it's, it is out there. So it is. Um, yeah. ha, why is it important that pharmacists are aware of it? So as pharmacists, we're the medication experts. And I know right now, a lot of the CBD products, or it says like hemp derived CBD or whatever, a lot of them say dietary supplement on them. And if we're thinking about like the definition of a dietary supplement versus the definition of a drug, I mean, dietary supplement is just structure function claims. I mean, right. But if we're looking at a prescription medication, CBD or cannabis itself, really, with all the different constituents, fits more of that realm. But of course, focusing on CBD, focusing on a singular constituent is a lot you know, more similar to what we're used to with the one molecule, one effect from a lot of the prescription meds. So I think that it's just another drug that we need to know about. Of course, there's an FDA approved medication for um, rare pediatric seizures, but even apart from that, we just need to know about it. And especially if other practitioners are looking to pharmacists to see what we know, because it is a drug, you know, like we should be able to answer those questions. So yeah, apart from anything political, it's just, it is a drug. Ergo, it should be something pharmacists know everything about. Right. And, and I think that's the big part that I think a lot of times we don't really think about is the drug drug interactions. I mean, we think about yes. it with everything else from herbals mm-hmm. and even, you know, cigarette smoking, but like, it's, mm-hmm. it's like the, the marijuana doesn't even like register with a lot of people that that could cause interactions, but there are interactions with it. Absolutely. And it also depends on like what strain they're taking. Like, so if they're smoking, for example, like what strain they're smoking, because if it's like CBD dominant, then I'm worried more for like sip uh, 2C9 and sip, uh, no, sorry, sip 2C19. I get THC and CBD. Um, yeah, so um, t- sip 2C19 as well as sip 3A4. Um, whereas if they're smoking something that's THC dominant or perhaps they're taking something that's a THC isolate or even like a CBD isolate, it, there's like so many nuances even to drug interactions. So I think it's important to know what constituent is metabolized by what enzyme. Um, and then like what medications our patients are taking, why are they taking them? Do they need to be taking like that many? Is cannabis even a good fit for them? Perhaps it's not judging by their prescription medications or their diagnoses are really just their lifestyle. Some people don't want to add something to their regimen. So it's very, very like patient specific and it's very like 
either strain specific or like product specific. It's good. I like that you said that too, because I think that there's this cliche kind of stereotype that, oh, if somebody supports the use of medical cannabis or even, you know, recreational cannabis that you think that it's just a cure-all and it works for every single person. And Mm-mm. I like that. Like, and that's awesome to hear you bring that up because it's not for everybody and it's not something that, you know, it's, it is patient specific, just like everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I like that's that you like brought that up. like any other drug. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, will you um, check your uh, mic? I think it's rubbing against your sweater or something Whoop. again. It's okay. We can say it on the air. It's all good. No worries. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, that's really interesting. So I'm I'm honestly gonna be checking out your program as well because if you told me to like list out drug drug interactions between marijuana and anything, I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I just kind of have to roll the dice and hope I get it right. So mm-hmm. no, that's that's awesome. Um, and then another thing with drug interactions too, just to add on, is like a lot of the studies that have been done. Um, a lot of them were you know kind of correlated with epidiolex, so the FDA approved product where the doses were so high versus what like someone might be taking recreationally or even someone, you know, that might just be self titrating um, and trying to get the type of therapeutic effect that they're looking for. Um, So yes, there are drug interactions, but I think it's again, so patient specific with what they're taking, which is why I'm so passionate about practitioners being involved in cannabis therapy Like, I just think it needs to be a mainstay. Like, there are some states, like Connecticut started the whole thing, um, where in dispensaries, it's mandated that pharmacists have to be present. And I, like, absolutely love that idea. I think it is so smart. So, like, if there is a question for a healthcare practitioner, perhaps the, the bud tender, whoever works there knows that they can turn to someone who has that specialized training. So... I just, I I wish that was something that was a bit more mainstay for all the states. However, you know, states that do have adult use legal, they would rather pay, you know, bud tender salary versus a pharmacist. So like financially, I don't think they see the incentive. No, that's, that's interesting. You said that too. Cause, and when we were in Vegas, we stopped in because I have never been inside of a, like a true dispensary. Mm-hmm. And so, and sorry for those of you listening, I just, it was for science. I had to look and just see what it was like. Cause I just, I had a picture of it in my own head. Like, I don't know what I thought it was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And it is actually like a super nice um, facility. And then everybody in there was like super professional. And I was just kind of like looking around at stuff because they have like display cases and everything. It was mm-hmm. like a cheesecake factory for marijuana. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> but um, the uh, I was listening, I just overheard a guy who was picking up a prescription um, mm-hmm. for and he asked the the person, I get what you call it a bud tender. Is that Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's um, the terms. Mm-hmm. asked, uh, I don't know the, t- the cool terms yet. Sorry, I'm working <laughs> on it. <laughs> the, um, but the, uh, he asked them about something, um, to lo- along the lines of his medication that he was taking for something else. And the guy said, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm not legally allowed to answer that. And I remember like my wife was like nudging me and she's like, we need a pharmacist in here. Yeah, and I was exactly. like, that is, it was just interesting to see that like firsthand to kind of, mm-hmm. to kind of say, but, um, you know, it was one of those things that, uh, I think, you know, it's, like 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 you said, the incentive may not be there initially for like seeing a pharmacist, but like with the opioid treatment centers and things like that, it wouldn't surprise me if some of these dispensaries start opening up that are like even pharmacist owned and that they're starting to be kind of like a more integral role in that. Because it, it does seem like it would be super important, especially from a medicinal purpose. Um, yeah, absolutely. Involved. And that's actually going to be my my next like full time role after the consulting when I start this coming month is doing that. So I'll be starting the one of the first, I think it's the first, um, pharmacist run or healthcare practitioner run dispensary. 
Um, and I'm working with a company called Cal Ethos. And so really what we're doing is putting together a massive showcase um, that will be like, you know, like a store, uh, like a brick and mortar. Um, and people will be able to come. Of course, there'll be recreational products, but I'll be in charge of the medicinal products as well as other integrative health modality products, um, whether that's like dietary supplements, other herbs, um, other like therapeutic aromatherapy that like a bunch of different things. Um, and so with that, I foresee that as because I'm the one who's designing it, I'm going to have it staffed by only healthcare practitioners. And that is something that doesn't exist in California, as far as I know. And I know that, you know, if we have someone for like customer service versus someone who's actually doing a consult, because I want that area of the store to be simply for consults. And we're actually looking at blueprints the other day. And I was like, no, we need more consult rooms. We need more consult rooms. Because if we have the amount of healthcare practitioners that I'm aiming to have in each store, then we need to have enough space for patients to feel safe to actually ask those questions mm -hmm. in a bit more of an enclosed space. Um, yeah, so I'm really hoping that like that starts changing people's minds slowly, um, especially in a state like California where it's been legal for so long. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, that's like something I think is just absolutely so important. You should have access to a practitioner. You don't need to have one necessarily following you every single day and like giving you daily texts or anything, but you should be able to know that you can ask someone if you wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's that's really cool. I didn't realize that it was get you had like this vision for it growing to be like something like that. That's really cool. That's my vision. Yeah, and instead of bud tenders, I think it'd be incredible to have like a licensed pharmacy technician or mm -hmm. someone like that who's a bit more familiar with drugs and a bit more familiar with how pharmacies function. I just I I just think that that would add another layer of like professionalism but also like another layer of just like a knowledge base within the entire staff mm -hmm. that's really cool i like that so you know so your program is rolling out this month um we don't have an exact date as of yet but it's rolling out this month most likely right um mm -hmm. where can people go if they want more information or want to sign up for it to get access yeah, sure. So um, we're, I'll provide you the links. You can put it in the caption. Perfect. So it's um, www.drswathi. So that's my website, D-O-C-T-O-R-S-W-A-T-H-I. It'll be spelled out in the caption. I probably spelled it too quickly. Um, so drswathi.com slash cannabis science. And then that will reroute you to where you can sign up for the course. And in the first like beginning in this launch time, we're giving a discount. So it's actually going to be 319 instead of 399. So we're taking off those $80. But really, though, it's so much information. And like the amount of like time that we've sat down to really figure out what we think is practical, and like actually engaging and interesting, like we tried to also write it in a way that's like a bit more, you know, friendly and a bit more approachable rather than something that's like super dry and just like a textbook, because I mean, no one really wants to read yeah, a textbook anymore, exactly. especially out of school, unless you're studying for super cool exams like the CDE. But apart from that, <laughs> And <no. laughs> even then, you really don't yeah. have a good time studying for it. <laughs> now, that's cool. So um, the program, you said that it's uh, the like there's 15 modules. How like mm -hmm. time like time wise, how many like hours is that worth of material? That's a great question. I think it depends on um, how fast you are at reading because a lot of it is reading and then um, how 
frequently you want to go back and like reference other material because I think with the way that it's structured, especially because it's so much new information, mm -hmm. even in the beginning when we were writing it, we were referencing back to other sections. So I, I think it could be a few hours per module, but I think it can also end up being a lot more than that. Okay. Wow. A few mm -hmm. hours per module. So it's a ton of information. I mean, it really is a ton of information, but also the pared down ton information. <laughs> that's no, no, that's yeah. cool. I mean, I'm saying ton of information is a good thing. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, especially if it's at your own pace, because I know like me, I would procrastinate mm -hmm. and do a little bit at a time because I have a short attention span. So I, and that would be cool to be able to have that much access, to that much information, but able to do it on my own time. So that's cool. Yeah, and the reference guides and like, we're just trying to make it like as simple as possible to try to grasp the concepts. So yeah, I mean, oh, and of course, if you have any questions or anything, you can send me an email. I'll include my email in the caption, too, um, because like if there is something that we need to edit or fix, especially like in the launch phase, I would love to know so we can fix that up. So please let me know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, can you give us like you mentioned a bunch of uh, questions that you normally get from providers or from uh, mm -hmm. patients and whatnot? Can we can you talk about a couple of those to give people a sneak peek, if you will? Yeah. So um, as a part of the case studies, I can share one of them. So one of the awesome. case studies is a 63-year-old retired school teacher, and he approaches the pharmacy counseling window. So again, we're in the community setting, and this is based on questions that I received in the fall, specifically from a practitioner. Um, so the first question is, like, will CBD make him feel high because he has friends that are using it now? His wife thinks it would be a good idea for him to use it but he's still not sure because he's completely cannabinoid naive. Like he's never tried anything in the entire cannabis realm. And so he's worried about that. Um, and then, you know, because of his age and because of his lifestyle, he he is taking a few supplements and prescription medications. So the next question is, you know, he takes out a piece of paper um, that's folded from his pocket that has a list of all the medications that his wife wrote out for him. And, He's, the next question is like, can he be taking all of these supplements and all these prescription medications with cannabis? Um, and then there'll be some drug interactions, of course, within that list that you guys will be able to pick out. Um, and then the next one is like, would this be good for my rheumatoid arthritis? So like looking at disease state, looking at drug interaction, and then looking at like actual use. That's very cool. So um, there, So does each section have like a like a uh, like a case study with each module to kind of like drive home the points like that? Um, so the cases are actually in a separate module okay. of just cases. Gotcha. Um, but with each module, there is like a, a mini test at the end or like a quiz at the end. So you do get to evaluate yourself as you go through. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, especially in like some places like how, and what's interesting is actually like the second biggest like, pocket of listeners for our podcast is California. So this oh, actually, wow. this actually re probably re resonates a lot better with more, more listeners than we probably even think. But, um, mm -hmm. what, what are some like typical questions that you, like you have to answer like pretty regularly about whether it's, um, CBD or, um, you know, cannabis itself. And like, is it, is it mostly drug, drug interactions or can you give us a few examples from like, so takeaway points like that for people listening? Yeah, so a lot of what I just said, the drug interactions are huge. And a lot of the time, it's like very specific. So like, I have certain disease state, is it safe for me? Or 
you know, I'm taking X medication. Can I take cannabis? Like those types of questions. But I mean, that's only one little bit of the puzzle. So I always, you know, like that one question gets followed with like 12 questions, which then maybe comes with 10 answers and then there are more questions and it's just back and forth. Um, yeah, because it's just so highly personalized depending on so many other factors uh, going on with the patient. Um, I'm trying to think if there, yeah, those were like mainly the top ones. Are there, are there any like, like mm-hmm. main, like, like major, like what you think if this person's on this drug, it's a hundred percent going to have, like, if I'm thinking like, uh, if the patient's on or like any kind of estrogen containing oral contraceptive, I'm thinking like carbamazepine is definitely going to mm-hmm. cause an interaction. Is there anything like that with cannabis or is it still just depend on the strength and all that? So there are three meds like that to me are red flags. Okay. Um, valproic acid. Um, and uh, warfarin (laughs) gotcha okay so the three main Mm -hmm. culprits for a lot of things yeah unless i mean of course patient specific right but i'm gonna say 99 point something percent that i don't think that that's a good fit is it the the carbamazepine or valproic acid um causing the cannabis to stick around longer than it's supposed to or is it inducing the metabolism of it or Mm -hmm. is it the other way around it's the um metabolism induction with the CYP2C19 when it comes to um, valproic acid. And that is a bit more, I'm a bit more worried with valproic acid when it comes to CBD, just because of it's more primarily metabolized by CYP3A4 and 2C19. So I'm a little more worried. Um, But I mean, THC also is 3A4, 2C9, and a little bit of 2C19. So I still would just like stray away. Gotcha. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of disease states are like red flags for you? Any like that you can think Mm. of like that are like, if you see this disease state, it's like, Ooh, probably not a good option. I mean, like, so patient specific, a lot of the time it has to do with like neurotherapeutic index drugs. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I get a little worried about that. Um, what about patients overall, like like, transplant, Okay, uh, transplant that that's like a situation that would worry me. And then oncology is so complicated. Like, that would be something where I'd want to work with the entire oncology team to decide something, not like decide something and hope that the uh, patient tells their practitioner team. Right. Yeah, something like that. And any of those type of disease states, I think, are the ones that I'm most worried about. And then, of course, like um, patients who have, for example, like very uncontrolled bipolar disorder, I think also would fit into that category, too. Um, as well as like uncontrolled schizophrenia, I would say those are probably the top, but I'm sure I'm missing more, but th- those are the top that come to mind right now. No, that's, that's good. Cause in, what about if a patient is like, let's say it's actual, um, medical cannabis, whether they are, um, eating it. So if it's some form of an edible versus mm-hmm. smoking it, does that change it up a little bit? Yeah. It changes up the metabolism because you have like first pass, Versus the immediate effect of smoking. And so, like, for example, if someone has chronic pain, Mm -hmm. a lot of the patients are told to, like, if they're, you know, working with a cannabis practitioner or Mm -hmm. someone who has that specialty, um, they're told to actually have two different um, methods of administration. So I think of it because, you know, we're pharmacists, I think of it like asthma. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have like a maintenance and then you have like a breakthrough um, so your maintenance would be inedible just because it lasts so long. You can take such a little bit and feel so great, um, especially if you take like something that's CBD dominant. Perhaps you're not going you're not going to have like any to little to no 
um, of the euphoric or intoxicating effects. Um, so that's an option for like maintenance. And then for breakthrough is something we would suggest like a dry vape or smoking or something like that. Gotcha. Are there, mm-hmm. are they working on any studies right now? And I'm, I have ne- not looked into this at all, so I don't know. Um, is there any like studies that are underway or at least that are looking at them or meta-analyses or anything like that, that's comparing, um, cannabis versus opioids and chronic pain? Cause we, we kind of know opioids aren't really great for chronic pain, mm-hmm. but is there anything comparing the two? Yeah. So actually really interesting. Something I want to learn more about myself is using cannabis to taper opioids. That's like a big thing coming out now. I mean, a big thing coming out is in it's like people are talking about right. it. But like when I've talked to practitioners, it sounds like they it's something that they've been looking into and doing for a long time. Like in particular, there's one practitioner I know in Santa Monica who has gotten patients taking like patients taking like six, four, seven opioid medications and then getting them down to one, getting them down to zero. I mean, like that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and this is like the fentanyl level, like very, very high, strong doses. And slowly but surely, as you increase the cannabis dose, you can decrease. So as you titrate the cannabis, you can taper um, the opioids and like it's the results are just amazing. We just need the complete evidence based um, research to come out so that we can full on say that. But right now it looks so promising. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Now, what, one of the arguments that I've heard, um, you know, myself is that they'll talk about, and I know we're getting off topic, but I'm just asking you random <laughs> stuff now. But the, yeah, one of the arguments that I've heard is that, you know, for instance, we're as healthcare professionals, usually we jump on people for smoking tobacco, um, mm-hmm. specifically cigarettes. But I mean, obviously pipes or, you know, cigars and stuff somewhat, even though you're not inhaling those usually. Um, but like we always get on people about cigarette smoke. Um, but then a lot, but in this case, and I'm more in the camp of thinking that these would have to be a better option than opioids, especially for things like pain and oncology and mm-hmm. stuff, right. um, or benzos for anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, you know, come on, but, um, you know, sorry if you don't agree. I'm not trying to be, like I said, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just, it's my opinion. Um, but, uh, the, the, one of the arguments I hear against that is like, well, you're still in, in like inhaling the smoke and causing damage to the lungs. Are they looking at the long-term effects of that? Or is it, is it the thought process because you're not, I mean, if people who are smoking are smoking a lot more frequently than somebody smoking cannabis would be, is that part of it? Or are they looking at, are they still concerned about the long-term effects of it on the lungs? Yeah, so I think that overall there is that research going on. I don't know anything conclusive yet, but if we are just to think about, you know, physiologically, that totally makes sense that it could be impacting the lungs. That being said, with cannabis, there's so many formulations that depending on the disease state, of course, but overall practitioners generally gravitate towards either like a a tincture or an oil, especially like oils are so incredible for titration because you can take so little more to just add rather than like a capsule or a tablet of CBD or um, some sort of cannabis ratio, because then you can only go from a five to a 10, which is like a huge jump, especially (laughs) like if we're talking about THC. Um, Yeah. So I think that generally I'm not too worried about it at the current moment because I don't know any practitioners who are like, you need to smoke all of the things all of the time and like give like the prescription or suggestion as being simply smoking or as being smoking a lot. 
Um, it's generally as something that's used for breakthrough. Again, I'm, I'm generalizing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, what I've heard is that it's used more for breakthrough and you're going to look at something that's a bit more longer lasting. Oh, topical. I didn't mention topical is amazing. So for certain um, ailments like arthritis, like I mentioned, like topical would be really great. Um, so that plus edible, that um, tinctures, oils. There are just so many different ways of consumption that I think when people think about, oh, I don't want to do cannabis. I'm, I, I don't want to smoke. Like, yes, of course, you don't have to. <laughs> right. There's more than one way to take it. Yeah. So what with with things like arthritis or like you mentioned the case being rheumatoid arthritis, is 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 there like a like an established mechanism there? Like, is it anti-inflammatory or how does that working from a THC component? Yeah. So it's uh, anti-inflammatory. That's exactly it. So um, a lot of like everything like surrounding the endocannabinoid system really has to do with inflammation. And so people have talked about like CBD being anti-inflammatory, THC being anti-inflammatory, just in the way that it modulates the endocannabinoid system. And it's really important to mention too that the endocannabinoid system is linked with so many other organ systems, so many other neurotransmitter systems, receptor systems. And so because of that, like when you're modulating the endocannabinoid system, you're kind of modulating a lot of other systems too. Um, and one of those does have a lot to do with inflammation. Um, and generally that has to do with the CB2 receptor. So there's CB1 and CB2. Generally that has to do with the CB2 receptor that is a bit more um, associated with immune function. Very cool. So um, this is all the kind of stuff we get to learn in the modules, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. <Yes>. <laughs> I'm excited. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. What, uh, anything else like we want to touch on or anything before I've been, I've kept you for like 40 minutes now, but, oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry to kind of way go off script and just start talking about random <laughs> stuff, but I like how oh, no, that's being fine. Able to bounce, that's these, like... bounce these questions off of you. Yeah. I mean, no other specific thing to add. I'm just so excited that the course is coming out and I'm, I'm just really happy with the way everything came together and the content that we were able to put into it. Um, and I really do think it's going to be helpful. I had a few beta testers look at it and I, I got some positive reviews. So I'm really hoping that it is helpful for pharmacists in any practitioner, sorry, any practice setting. And I, I really do think it could just be valuable information for, for any pharmacist. Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Well, um, we'll link the website and the email mm -hmm. and all that in the show notes and then, uh, make sure we push up, you, um, We'll put your Instagram handle and all that in there as well mm -hmm. and um, bring people towards you. So definitely, guys, make sure you check that out. Um, if you have any interest in this at all, if you're working as a pharmacist, especially in communities in, in the state where you medical cannabis is legal, like this is super important. So make sure you at least mm -hmm. give this a look um, so that we can talk to patients about this and actually give solid medical advice instead of just, you know go ask your doctor. That's my biggest pet peeve in the world. I know, me too, me too. <laughs> and I mean, CBD is like literally everywhere. I mean, it's yeah. like pharmacies. Like, I mean, yes, they could be buying it from your pharmacy, but maybe they bought it five minutes ago at the gas station. Mm -hmm. So like they might still have a question about it. So yeah. I think just being able to answer those questions, of course, like initiating the conversation is fantastic too. But in the community setting, a lot of the time that is a little more complicated. So just being able to give a quick answer, mm -hmm. I think would be just so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Especially, I mean, see, like you said, CBD is everywhere. I mean, they sell it mm-hmm. at like the major retail pharmacies now. And so I, I'd be really curious to see how many pharmacists out there, if somebody just grabbed CBD off the shelf and was like, hey, I'm going to take this as anything. You see my medications, does it interact with anything? How many of them could just like kind of rattle off? I, I definitely couldn't. So I, I would be willing to bet the majority of people can't. So this is going to be really a cool mm-hmm. course. And I think yeah, I've helpful. actually been in line waiting for my prescription at a retail pharmacy. And there was a patient in front of me who asked that question. Really? So I was able to tap them and help them. That's awesome. <laughs> That's but, great. Um, but it is a question that I've literally seen right in front of me being asked. That's very And cool. the pharmacist being like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. Please ask your doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it, makes, it makes the whole profession look so much better when we can... It does. Answer yeah. the question and not refer out. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, absolutely, guys, check out the website and I'll put all the stuff in the show notes, all the information about it. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Dr. Swathi, thank you all. Thank you so much for being oh, with us again. I think me. this is oh, what, third, three, four times you've been here? Maybe the fourth time now. Yeah, the fourth yeah, time. Yeah, fourth. Mm-hmm. So you're giving uh, our critical care pharmacist, Brian Gilbert, you're giving him a run for his money because I think he's five. So you're coming up. We'll have to sneak you all out right. again. And see I have to beat win. Him. Okay, I'll be back soon. <laughs> Good deal. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions, make sure you reach out to Swathi um, and I'll have all of the information in the show notes, like I said. Um, if you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff. If you have any uh, questions for Cole or myself, reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. You can reach us over email, um, whatever's easier for you. Um, also, thank you guys so much for those of you who are subscribed to Patreon. Um, I've been kind of shocked at uh, how many people have taken us up on that Patreon account and um, supported us that way. So thank you all so much. I hope the content's helpful. we got a lot more coming up. I have uh, the rest of endocrinology lectures getting posted soon and women's health comes after that. So there's a lot of stuff coming on there um, with slide sets and all that for you to download. So it's $3 a month. Um, if you can't afford it, get three friends, split it for a dollar each and then bootleg it. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but make sure uh, you guys check that out and uh, we will see you next time. Have a good one.